Welcome back to Raven's Recap with a big therapy session for you here today. As the Ravens lost so badly, Alec couldn't even open the show. He just he deferred <laughs> to us before anyone even volunteered to open the show. He's just like, you guys do it. I can't do it. But it was a beatdown by any definition in the NFL, unfortunately, to the Cincinnati Bengals. Ravens secondary was depleted beyond anything we could have imagined to start the season. And despite a valiant effort by Josh Johnson, it just was just too much to overcome. We're going to talk about it, talk about how the Ravens can recover from this because they are still mathematically in the playoff hunt, but do not control their destiny. We'll have to win these last two games. We'll just see what happens. But uh, I guess the first thing we got to do here is uh, pulse check, guys. How are we feeling right now? Like, not, I mean, not great, Like, but like you said, Peter, I mean, mathematically, it, it's there's still a shot. I think it really just comes down to if, if people are going to come back healthy, right? I mean, if we just continue to have guys go down or, or people that we're kind of expecting to get back, i.e. like Lamar, and if he's not able to come back, then I, th- I think that, that window, that a percentage chance of the Ravens making the playoffs and doing something with it becomes smaller and smaller. But uh yeah, I mean that was a rough game to watch. I, to be honest, I didn't even watch the whole thing. I couldn't deal with the crappy takes from family, so uh, <laughs> I stopped watching around halftime. And I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the replay later. <laughs> Chris, you're not alone in that. Um, we talked offline that I uh, spent most of the third quarter playing with the dogs, and and I had the game on my phone playing, and I was pretty much watching it when I wasn't throwing a ball, uh, and I had the, the volume going and all that, but. Uh, you know, once the beatdown really started ensuing and uh, we were down to exclusively corners that weren't on the team ever <laughs> until recently, and and they had all their uh, marquee offensive weapons uh, and were flexing them, I, I just kind of was like, well, you know, I, again, similar to you, like, I'm going to watch it later. I have the opportunity now to just spend time with like my brother-in-law and <laughs> just not be, you know, doing this, so... Yeah, it, it, and I and we're not the only people who did that. I talked to some other fans and, and listeners, and they said they did the same thing. Uh, just, you know, caught it later kind of thing. Part of me is burnt out from the season. It's a longer season than ever, and I feel like that extra game has loomed in my mind a bit. And also, it's been a very challenging season with injuries and COVID, just making every week completely unpredictable you know we used to have a really good cadence here where we would do our recap show and our preview show on mondays and now the preview shows don't seem viable unless you record them on uh sunday morning and (laughs) and then no one can listen to it so (laughs) you know it's like it's a really difficult balance with everyone getting sick from covid or injuries changing or not having any clarity on you know oh we're hopeful this guy's going to come back for several weeks in a row and then you know they don't make trips talking about Lamar here. You know, it's like, you know, what's going on? I don't know. So it's become a difficult season to evaluate. I remember that, uh, Jason from huddle up films always told us, uh, you can't really do too much talent evaluation during garbage time. And we're starting to get into a lot of garbage situations for the Ravens where it's almost hard for us to have much analysis because they're just so behind the eight ball with a complete lack of talent. Uh, that's just been decimated from the team due to injury and, and COVID, this this game we had thirty three people inactive or on the COVID list. Uh, the last record I think was twenty nine, and that felt like an unbelievable number. 
Uh, I think I saw somewhere that we have 22 of those people on defense. So basically two full defensive rotations have now gone through IR or COVID because <laughs> like, you play 11 people on defense. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you said it. I think you said it, Alec. Burnout, I think, is is definitely real. And yeah, I mean, I think that's part of like, you know, why not watching the whole game. Like, look, we support the Ravens. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the bright spots and some of the not so bright spots uh, through and through every week. Uh, whether we like it or not, uh, we're going to be here to talk about it. That's that's our jobs as a you know co-host of this podcast. But uh, it, it's it's definitely a real thing, right? I mean, we're on a four-game losing streak, and you know we, we're just losing guys left and right. And the burnout is real, and it's just gotten to a point where it's it's a little it's it's hard to remain optimistic um, given everything that's kind of transpired and just knowing you know, we've had so much hope before and it just, it hasn't sort of come through. It it may not be our season this year, but, uh, you know, despite that, you know, we're going to make it work. Uh, at least the day of we made it work by not subjecting ourselves to watching the whole game and that's okay. Uh, but we're going to talk about it here today. So it's all good. You guys are weak. I sat on the couch. (laughs) Like I I wasn't supposed to see the game. I was supposed to go to a friend's kid's birthday party, but COVID concerns canceled that. So oh no, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to stay home and not have an excuse to miss the whole game, which actually like I wasn't too upset that I was missing the game because I was just like, I it's like, you know, I always believe in the Ravens, but I knew there was a chance that what happened Sunday could happen, although I didn't think it was going to be as bad. I didn't think the worst scenario was as bad as what it ended up being. But yeah, man, I mean, everyone's got to do their, they got to cope the best they can, but and I was I was just sitting there watching it, and I was just like, I gotta, I just gotta stick here for the guys through the whole thing. And as a fan, you gotta the successes of a team when you share in that, they feel, I feel, I feel like they feel sweeter, and you can savor them more when you also stick through with all the bad. And there was definitely a lot of bad on Sunday, but yeah, immediately when the game ended, I just turned it off. Luckily, the, the grandparents were here, so they were watching my son, my wife, and I just wish. Went on a bike ride and just <laughs> just forgot about it. Just got in with nature on the wonderful, absolutely gorgeous weather we had on Sunday. But yeah, I mean, you really got to... I think before we delve into anything with, with this game, we got to tip our hats to Harbaugh, to Eric DaCosta, and to the guys that are playing. Because, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of anticipation for this season, a lot of excitement. And we overlooked how bad the losses of Marcus Peters, J.K. Dobbins, and Gus Edwards were going into the season because we we didn't want to be bummed out. It was an exciting season. been waiting all summer for it. And obviously, you know, COVID has been making us want our escapes even more. Uh, So, you know, we kind of talked ourselves into this team. Yeah, we can still be really competitive. And and gosh, by all all stretches of the imagination, they've, they've been balancing an extremely wobbly, tight tightrope this entire season they got to eight and three by a bunch of skin of their teeth victories and at this point it's just like it's finally like there's just too many injuries to overcome there's just too many last time the Ravens had a season this bad uh they only won three games with their starting quarterback through I want to say like 12 weeks I don't know if it's exactly that but I think it was around week 12 that Flacco got hurt this team went eight and three with all these injuries and I mean, for them to even still be in the playoff consideration right now is just incredible. And it boggles my mind that that any fans 
you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but from my perspective, it just boggles the mind that that fans can rip into the, the coaching staff or or the front office at all because because honestly, th- I think this is historic to have all these injuries and for this team to be that this good. It doesn't happen too often. I'm not saying it's never happened, but this is like probably like the top five percent of a season for a team that has as many key injuries as this team has. So we'll see what happens these next two games. I mean, it's. Anything can happen. I, I certainly am not feeling super confident about it going forward, but I still think, like, all things considered, with all these injuries and COVID still being here, for this team to be 8-7 and seven at this point is just nothing short of amazing. And credit to the coaching staff and front office for that. I like your optimism, Peter. And uh, I'll tell you, we talked about it last week. I even tweeted it out before the game started because uh, people were already talking about, you know, if the Ravens lost what the situations would be for the Ravens to make the playoffs. I said, don't worry. The three of us will be at the Rams game and uh, they don't lose when we're there. So that's a dub. (laughs) You know what I mean? And I I can't wait to bring that atmosphere. I think like you said uh, in our private chat, only, uh, you know, the best fans are going to be at that game or will be, you know, full <laughs> right. effect because, um, you know, knowing our luck, it's going to be terrible weather and we're going to have to, <laughs> you know, grin and bear through it all. But I, I am so ready to bring it, man, because I feel you like this team has teased us all year long by staying in situations that they had almost no business staying in. And that's because they are an incredibly resilient team, really well coached, really well managed. And, uh, you know, all the things we've been saying about. Harbaugh, Eric DaCosta, and even the uh, coordinators everyone likes to rip on, Roman and Wink. I think there was a lot of positives that came out of these games, and uh, I'm just grateful for this whole setup, you know? I think, almost in a way, we should do our moral victories slash, like, happy bits first before we talk about (laughs) the things that went bad, because, to be honest with you, a lot of the things that went bad were just complete and utter lack of talent in the secondary on defense, and just a little bit of bad execution on offense to stifle drives. And like, I think Peter put it super duper well. We basically just became a lap behind in the race and we just couldn't overcome that. No, definitely. I mean, unfortunately for the Ravens, this was a game where it was a track meet. They couldn't afford an offensive possession where uh, they turned the ball over and they were keeping pace with the Bengals. But then I, in my opinion, there were two game, there were two critical plays where the Bengals really tripped the Ravens up and they just couldn't recover from that point. One of which was the Ravens stopped the Bengals. It was seven to three at that point, I believe. Um, they stopped him on third and goal it was a, an excellent stuff by the defense there, but the Bengals decided to go out for it and uh, go for the touchdown. Um, they had a great play call right there. It's amazing what happens when you have great play calls in fourth down and are aggressive there uh, got the touchdown and honestly, I think that just changed the whole mentality of the game because you go there and the Ravens defense beat up, said, hey, you know, things are, we just let them drive twice on us, but we held them to field goals both times and we still have the lead. Then you lost the lead right there. And then offense comes back out there. They have a little bit of momentum going, a little bit of a drive gone. Unfortunately, you had the change of the quarter right there. First play of the second quarter, errant, uh, shouldn't say errant snap. I think I have have to rewatch to see exactly what happened. I think the announcers put it on just Josh Johnson messing up the, um, the option play, but there was a fumble. Uh, Ravens lose yardage on third and one, choose not to go for it, which was probably the right decision in that case because they were deep in Cincinnati territory. Maybe they should have gone for it. I'm not sure, but 
gave the ball back to Cincinnati. Cincinnati scores on that defensive miscommunication in the secondary, which is mainly due, once again, like we said, to young guys out there off the street who are journeyman players. And from that point, it was just – you couldn't recover from that. They needed to score touchdown to touchdown with the Bengals in this game. And once they stopped doing it, they didn't have the secondary to to uh, stop a – talented young Bengals passing attack yeah the matchup is just definitely not not in our favor I mean in the last couple of years I know we we have the same thing with the Steelers right the Steelers have uh, many uh, really good uh, young wide receivers in their core and you know when we were playing them just a couple of weeks ago they realized like oh we were trying to play this traditional offense and give Najee the ball the whole time and okay you could do that but then they realized oh wait they don't have cornerbacks let's just spread them out wide and then we had they had a lot more success that way the Bengals, I mean, they didn't even have to wait for that. They came out all, you know, all guns firing, basically, uh, with that mentality. And, yeah, the, the Ravens just couldn't keep up. It's amazing, kind of going back for a second, of just, we can't reiterate this enough of just the, <laughs> the dire lack of talent and depth in the secondary right now. I mean, I would, I would wager, I don't know how you guys would feel about this, but I would wager that most of the crap that comes from people who are like Ravens need to clean house fire everybody because of what their performance was like this uh past Sunday like they probably don't even watch preseason but they don't also understand that basically right now we are on like the second preseason like fourth preseason game actually I guess there is no four anymore but the last preseason game where you're literally just trying to figure out who's going to fill out your roster and who's going to be at your practice squad we're past that there is like those guys aren't even here anymore. <laughs> like, like if you don't even sit and watch those games to try and see who are the like exciting developmental guys, like you don't have any business talking about who's actually playing in this game because literally, uh, just these guys have not been here, and this is the product that you're going to get when you don't have anybody who has been in the system who can, who can execute there. You know, I'll, I'll say too, like the the one really big positive thing for me as well to kind of you know, uh, give the Ravens a lot of credit and how they could stay in this game. Josh Johnson, the offense, really kept it close, I think, for the first half. And they, you know, had kind of a plan going into the to the second half. Honestly, I'd say the offense looked pretty good overall. I would even wager that the offense this game looked better than it did against Miami. It looked better than it did against the Bears. A lot of the games where Lamar Jackson was playing, right? He just didn't have a lot of good games in the middle stretch of the season. I think Josh Johnson played better with what he had. It was just the defense and the secondary that we've talked about a lot just couldn't hold up. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I I think the offense played well enough on Sunday to win the game. But when your defense can't stop, I mean, the Bengals didn't punt at all yesterday. When that's what what you have on defense, it's tough for even a good offensive performance to overcome that. Yep. 41 points, not enough. You know, remember how many times we had the defense put up like sub 20, but then the offense didn't either. So we lost. Now it's like, okay, <laughs> the defense did a job that's not overcomable unless you have like crazy firepower. So I get it. You're on your third string quarterback. You're on your like fourth string. Wasn't on the roster plans uh, running back, uh, you know, Obviously, some injuries on the offensive line. We're having some issues on offense. But there were some bright spots. And I think if we do want to talk about the offense first, that kind of operated well. 
one bright spot was just the fact that we actually saw a short passing game, five wide receiver attack, hide any problems we had on the offensive line, give our quarterback easy decisions to make to move the ball downfield. And it was pretty darn effective. And we've only been asking for it since Lamar was still an active player on the team. Uh, And now it took a third string quarterback that wasn't on the roster until 10 days ago to uh, make it happen. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, uh, the other thing too, uh, Devin Duvernay didn't play this game. Um, Sammy Watkins, I think was back, but he didn't have that many snaps. So uh, it was finally James Prochet's time to shine. Tavon Wallace as well. Both those guys were pretty involved. Um, Prochet in particular, I, I like. I, I feel like I got to put this on the spot for you to team up, but I, I thought he had a heck of a game. Uh, he really was kind of one of those trusted targets for Josh Johnson, uh, in addition to Mark Andrews. Seven catches on eight targets for 76 yards, including many third down conversions. Prochet is a guy who, out of college, ran all parts of the route tree, which is not something that Devin Duvernay can say. Prochet was mossing guys at 5'11 in college, and he showed a little bit of that in the preseason. Prochet's a guy that really needs to get playing time. Uh, I think that's something that became abundantly clear. I don't know how this exactly works other than five wide receiver sets because Duvernay is a pretty exciting player. Bateman's really good, etc. But they need to find a way, man, for this guy to get on the field because he is, I think he's seriously good. And it'd be a real shame to have seen this talent, not capitalize on it, let him walk, and then him become a star player and some other offense that's willing to go three wide more often or four wide or just use his skill set. I think he's an NFL starting caliber player, you know, an 11 personnel. Oh, for certain. I mean, someone is going to give him a shot at some point in his career. And it should be us. Hopefully, yeah. But this is a great problem to have because, you, you know, obviously you've got Hollywood Brown who's had a great year. Uh, Rashad Bateman is showing a lot of promise. Devin Duvernay has a lot of unique skills you can throw out there. Pro Shaler saying is an excellent route runner. And, and Tylen Wallace came back after last week. And, you know, he had some good catches in this game as well. This is an excellent problem for this team to have. They've just, the past three drafts have just hit home runs with these receivers. It's it's incredible. We, we never thought we'd see it. But, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, like we said, I think at, at this point, Sammy Watkins is 100% expendable. He's not coming back next year. There's no reason for it. But with the cap, it'll be interesting to see. Now, I'm not someone who's who's a super cap nerd, so I don't really know where the Ravens stand as far as the next wave of guys who they're going to be able to, to pay. But we know they already have got uh, Mark Andrews, Ronnie Stanley locked up, and we know Lamar basically has a contract in place. We just have to see for what uh, value and for how many years. I'm interested to see, and I, I'll look into this in the off season. I'd be really interested to, to see what, what someone would say. Like, what what are we expecting the type of contract we'll have to sign uh, Hollywood Brown to? Is that something the Ravens will be able to to afford? I could see it. The Ravens actually getting a favorable contract for him because I could see him being a guy who's more valuable to the Ravens than to other teams. And with the offense being so run heavy, this guy really hasn't had the opportunity, except for certain games this year, to show his full talent set. But in the case that they can't resign him because they're not going to be able to resign everybody, you look at it, do they go with an offense where Bateman's your number one wide receiver? You've still got Mark Andrews there as kind of a hybrid receiving tight end, big-bodied receiver you can throw out in the slaughter out wide and then roll with a combination of Duvernay, Prochet, and Wallace for the other receivers. That's 
I, I would love to see Hollywood Brown stay, but if they can't resign him for whatever reason, you got to look at that. And that's a very viable uh, receiving core that a lot of teams would love to have. Yeah. Well, fortunately, um, I mean, we do have Hollywood at least under contract for uh, next year, uh, probably the fifth year. Uh, depends on whether the Ravens do pick up the, his fifth year option. You know, the next couple of years, I think, are pretty solid. It won't be until Lamar's contract probably uh, really balloons in terms of cap hit where we'll have to kind of have this sort of hard conversation. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I agree with both of you guys. I think it's, it's amazing, one, that uh, the injury bug has not hit our wide receiver core out of, like, I was thinking about this earlier today. I, pretty much every position group that I can think of on the Ravens has either been, like, somewhat affected or, like, completely decimated by injuries. Wide receiver is not in that – it's the only one I can think of that's not in that list – um, and Wolfpack, so, yeah. I, well, actually, yeah. I guess, yeah. I wasn't wasn't thinking about Wolfpack. Wolfpack's fine. Yeah, Wolfpack and, and receivers, I think, are the only ones. But quarterback, running back, tight end, offensive line, uh, defensive lines had injuries. Linebacker a little bit, but it's still been okay. Cornerback safety decimated. But yeah, that's the one thing. And the other thing too is again, kind of your point, Peter. DeCosta has been taking a lot of hits on drafting receivers, and it feels like a lot of them have hit. You know, it's just a matter of, you know, a matter of finding them uh, good opportunities and and having having the ability to actually showcase what they can do. At least for Prochet and, and Wallace, I think these were the games for them to do it. It was really good. In particular, I think Alec, you said that Prochet had a, a couple of third down grabs. I think Wallace had the one as well, where he kind of uh, was kind of backpedaling through a couple of yards uh, mm-hmm. through a couple defenders to be able to pick up like it was a third and fifteen or something. I mean, excellent plays, a really uh, good plays to have under their belt and to give them confidence in the next couple of games and upcoming years. Wallace really earned some playing time with some really good special teams play, and it finally came due to injury and, uh, I guess, changing the situation of football. And I think it's really great that it's starting to come out because, yeah, I think despite the fact that Duvernay obviously is a pro bowler now with uh, his receiving chops, he might not be the most complete wide receiver. He's almost more of a gadget guy, which isn't a bad thing. Like, he's a good gadget. Um, it's just that I think Tyler Wallace is maybe the more interesting fool on receiver. Uh, and obviously, Prochet is. So, yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. But it's a good problem to have for the Ravens. The other pass catcher that's a great problem to have is the number one tight end resides in Baltimore. Mark Andrews just absolutely solidified that uh, conversation with another breakthrough performance where the defense was keying on him. He was getting held. He was still scoring touchdowns. The guy is just a total monster, and he's laser-focused. He doesn't care who's throwing the ball. He gets that ball. He gets his first down. He goes back to the line and just wants to keep repeating. He's been one of the most consistent pieces on this Ravens team, and it makes you really happy to see that this guy is at his top of his game and is also making a top dollar. Yeah, he's, he's officially in the Tier 1 of tight, receiving tight ends at this point. Um, I do think going into the season, you could have certainly put Kelsey, Kittle, and, and Waller uh, a couple notches ahead of him. I think he was leading the Tier 2, uh, but he has take, taken his game up to another level, and it's what we all expected from him. We, we've we said this a lot last year, that both Andrews and, and Hollywood, we view them, their potential to be as uncoverable as Kelsey and, and Hill. Now, both those guys, you know, I, I still think have better skill sets than both those two guys. But, you know, Andrews, he's 
he's as much of a threat to any defense right now as Kelsey is. You know, teams just aren't covering him. And as was pointed out by by several in the media this week, he's having the same production that he's had with Lamar Jackson with two backups, one of which was a guy who, who the Ravens only brought in like a couple weeks ago. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter who's throwing to him. He's going to make plays, and it's just incredible. Um, yeah, there's not much more you can say. He's a beast, and, you know, he's going to have to be the focal point of this offense in these last two weeks, as he has been the last three, uh, over 100 yards receiving in each of the last three weeks. It's just, it's just a great time for him to fully break out. It's great, man. I mean, Andrews is an epitome of of why you know Harbaugh needs needs a lot more credit than I think that he's getting from the fan base right now, because I mean he's he's playing with heart, right? I mean, you just you you know it, it could be really easy in this situation for guys to just kind of just wrap it up and be like, okay, season's over. Clearly, yeah. a lot of fans, especially do. a guy who just got paid, right? right. Especially yeah. a guy who just got paid, right? I mean, a lot of the fans have already wrapped up, and they're like, you know, fire everybody, clean house, let's move on next season, whatever, right? As players, you can't do that. You got to play through your whole season, no matter where it goes. That's their job. That's their livelihood. That's what they love to do. And yeah, I mean, Andrews, like every time he'd get those catches, he'd wa- he'd like barrel through a couple of guys, drag them with him for picking up the first down. I mean, it seemed like Von Bell, Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt, all these guys just they couldn't tackle him. They couldn't bring him down. You know, I mean, you can blame it for, you know, maybe they didn't have as much effort on the Bengals side because they were up so high. Like, I, I can understand that. But um, as a Ravens fan, you should be really proud of Mark and a lot of the other guys who, you know, when the going was tough, they showed a lot of heart and they, you know, were made some tough plays in situations where, you know, you don't ordinarily make that. You know, I think Mark was just, uh, you know, he's been an epitome of it, man, over the last couple of weeks. It, it's been great to see. We can just hope that, Again, some guys will be able to come back healthy and we can make the season to be a little bit more meaningful because I'm sure Mark would uh, – he loves the stuff that he's doing right now. You know, the yards are good. The touchdowns are good. The Pro Bowl is good. Um, but I'm sure if you ask him, he just wants to win first, and that's the most important thing. One odd performance from the pass catchers was uh, Rashad Bateman's performance. I was so happy to see him dominate that first possession. The first possession the Ravens scored a touchdown on since week six against the Chargers. He had four catches on that drive, his first NFL touchdown, finally, for Chris. And uh, then he went catchless the rest of the game with only a single target. I don't know because the All-22 is not out at the time of this recording, but I don't know if he had any openings or whatnot. He certainly had the snaps to think that he would have some opportunity, but he got completely shut down in this game. But it was good to see that touchdown and so some of those routes that he did get targeted on he wins them every time. You know, he's just a really great receiver uh, that's got a lot of trust from the quarterbacks that have been thrown to him. Yeah, definitely. Um, he continues to impress, and it was great that he finally had his first touchdown. It only took uh, eight weeks, nine weeks. <laughs> right. That's my uh, first bowl prediction for him. Hey, man, it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep his uh, draft value down in a redraft fantasy if you're in leagues with not too many Ravens fans. should be able to swipe him up pretty, pretty nice next year. <laughs> Yeah, he'll probably be one of those uh, breakout guys like Ayuk was this year and took all season for him to turn it around. But yeah, I think uh, at least in our leagues that we'll be in, we'll be uh, keeping an eye on him and see where we can steal him, so to speak. 
The next thing we want to talk about, though, is the running game. Totally non-existent without a running quarterback, despite the play calling kind of being uh, in line with a quarterback that had more mobility. That was the only knock I really had on Roman's strategy in this game was the read option and maybe also just on uh, Johnson for keeping the ball and looking slow as molasses. Like, I know I don't have much agility and uh, he definitely has more, but it looked like he had my level of agility against his NFL athletes because <laughs> it was just like not great, man. Like, uh, and it led to multiple, uh, it was frequently called third down and, and it never converted, right? So uh, it led to some ends of drives where, uh, you know, I thought the short passing game was much more effective. So a bit of a bummer there. Uh, the running backs were not respected on the, I remember one of the plays where Freeman was trying to get leverage on the outside, just ran down and tripped for a huge loss of yardage. Anything short of just going straight ahead didn't work for the team. And even when they did, they had the one play where Murray was the fullback, totally sniffed out because he's never been lined up as a fullback before. And then boom, you know, no good, right? <laughs> Doesn't convert, turn everyone down. So the running game was just horrid in this game. Almost no no positives. Yeah, it's a shame because uh, Patrick Bicari finally got back in the lineup. But uh, now Pat Ricard missed his, I think, second game in a row. So yeah, it was kind of like one step forward, one step back, um, net neutral in terms of that. But yeah, it's it's tough, man. I mean, at this point, at this point, it's almost worth a question. Like, do the Ravens bring back any of these guys who are currently playing running back? Like, I'd say maybe there's a chance that Freeman might come back as a third running back. He might be an interesting option, but I don't see why Murray would be here next year. I mean, McCrary maybe for training camp depth, but. Yeah, I think Freeman would be an interesting guy to keep around just in case um, because you're, you're bringing three running backs back from uh, pretty significant injuries. So he's definitely, of the guys currently there, the one who deserves to stick around if needed. But hopefully that's a situation where we'll just need him for training camp in case uh, some there's not enough guys coming back to full strength and we'll be able to cut him on the last round of cuts because uh, we've got healthy backs for the season. Well, maybe it's just worth talking about him a little bit more specifically. I thought there were some positives to take away here, but going back to Josh Johnson a little bit too, you know, we, we talked about he's, you know, recent addition to the roster, blah, blah, blah. All things considered though, I thought he did a heck of a job uh, just from the quarterback position. Uh, aside from the read options, which Alec talked about, I mean, he had some zip on his ball. He could basically place it wherever he needed to. Um, the only knock I'd say from a pick a passing perspective, he had that one deep ball to Hollywood where if he was able to complete that, that was for sure a touchdown. Would have liked to have that play back. But, I mean, other than that, yeah, I mean, he just a lot of zip on the balls, very tight spiral. Just he looked really, really good throwing the football. And again, for the position that this guy was in coming in with very little practice, I mean, hats off that guy, man. Like, Josh, like, great job. Uh, I thought that was an excellent, uh, just excellent game from him. And, I mean, you just don't you don't see that very often from, from a backup quarterback, um, let alone the backup to the backup. So I, I thought it was really good. I, I don't know what uh, – do you guys have anything else you'd like to talk about with that? I was impressed with him. I mean, I didn't know 100% what to expect because, you know, I had – some hope he could do well because he did a great job in spot relief for the Jets earlier this season against a pretty formidable Colts defense. Um, that said, a lot of his production was in garbage time uh, where the Colts were up by quite a bit. So he had to kind of temper expectations as a result of that. But he came in there and, and 
yeah, that opening drive just led the Ravens down the field and got a touchdown. Yes, the next two drives, uh, you know, there were some small mistakes on his part that uh, prevented the Ravens from keeping pace with the Bengals, like we said earlier. And after that, he played great. You could make the argument, sure, the Bengals' defense didn't need to play as hard because they had a comfortable lead. But still, I mean, I, I think they were still they were still trying. Zach Taylor said coming out of halftime that the Bengals knew they had to keep the foot on the gas because this Ravens team has come back several times in the second half. Yeah, I think this was another sly move by the Ravens. Um, this is a guy who's 35 years old, has been, I mean, you look up his, they showed it during the broadcast, all the teams he's played for professionally. It's an insanely long list. It was something like 18 teams. And I don't even know if that <laughs> includes the, the places he was at multiple times. Um, I, don't, it I think it wasn't did. Because, yeah, <laughs> it was so many, man. It might have been 18, 18 stops in total. I don't, I don't think it was quite 18 teams, but it was a lot. And it's it's interesting. He's a guy that quite clearly he has a high football IQ to 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 learn that system that quickly. Now, I did find out afterwards that apparently he's he's played in Greg Roman offenses before, so it wasn't completely foreign to him. But still, it was clear the guy knows how to play quarterback at the professional level. But probably the reason why he hasn't had you know gotten a, a shot at being a starter in this league is like we're saying it's quite obvious that physically he's he's not quite where you would want a starting quarterback to be. I hope the Ravens don't need him going forward, but at the same time, if, if they do, if unfor- if it's unfortunate and Lamar's still out and Huntley's on the COVID list for whatever reason next week, I, I still think there's some hope that the Ravens could still win with this guy because he's, he's very decisive as a quarterback, like we're saying. We know he knows how to read defenses. His one interception was at the end when, you know, the Ravens were just, they, they knew the game was out of hand and they were pressing to get, any points on there at all so I don't really fault him too much for that so yeah for a third string emergency quarterback he I'd say he's he's pretty good pretty good from what you would expect there I think the other thing is just like it's amazing that the Ravens have had such struggles at the quarterback position historically as a franchise <laughs> it seems like the I mean we're, we're on the backup to the backup man third string and it's just I mean, it it seems like really good. I mean, we've had starting quarterback play not as good as what Josh provided on Sunday. So, I mean, yeah, despite the results of the game, uh, you got to keep him in perspective. I thought overall it was was pretty good. I think before we go on to the defense, uh, the offensive line, at least in pass protection from what I saw, actually didn't have that bad of a game. Uh, You had Trey Hendrickson. Obviously, he did have a sack, uh, which kept his streak going. Uh, I was against Big Al, as you would expect, but outside of that, pressure was, was um, you know, there were a lot of decent pockets that Johnson had back there. You know, guys like, uh, it was good to have McCarry back there. I thought he had a pretty good game, as did uh, Bozeman, and, and Cleveland didn't look terrible either. That unit is, is one that struggled mightily against Cincinnati the first game when they were a little healthier, and, you know, all things considered... There was some there was some good things out of that unit on Sunday. It was good to see McCarry get a, almost a full game of snaps in and look kind of like himself. I didn't really notice any major gaffes. We also saw, I think, the first action from Jones Dash Smith for two snaps on that position. That was the two snaps that McCarry missed at the end of the game, and he looked completely unremarkable. So I guess the Ravens wanted to see what they had. <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I don't uh, I don't recall Jones go. Dash Smith ever being uh, on the team before. I believe he was one of the COVID activations from the practice squad. 
All right. So transitioning to the defense, um, we already talked about the secondary getting depleted, but what does that mean? Well, Averett, after nine snaps, uh, had a rib injury. He exited the game. Sounds like a fractured rib. Unsure of his availability for the rest of the season. Sounds like it might be somewhat of a pain management thing, but uh, I can't imagine trying to tackle with a bad rib, personally. <laughs> so, I don't know what that means for the rest of his season. And then even uh, Tavon Young didn't really finish the game. So, we saw guys like Seymour and the other guy's name Seymour, exactly right? exactly leave that in <laughs> Worley uh, Worley Worley that's it yeah Worley Worley and next I, next question without looking can you name any previous team that either of those two have played for in the NFL without looking I think Seymour played for the Packers but I I thought Worley played for the Panthers I believe Chris is right on Worley yo yeah Worley started his career in Carolina was actually decent there but then has went to Oakland, Dallas, Oakland, Detroit, Baltimore, Seymour. Wait, Alec, Alec what did you say for Seymour? I said Seymour was at the Packers. No, no Packers. One more guess. <laughs> oh, again, another guess? How generous. Um, <laughs> the Colts? You you failed to win the prize that wasn't even on the table. Uh, no, he was on the Bills, <laughs> and he was on the Panthers. This was 2016, 2017, then out of football until 2020, where he played two games for the Eagles, and then than to the Ravens this year. Nice. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, not great, obviously. And they got beat up. And I don't think there's much more that needs to be said about that. Uh, If they continue having to be the guys we lean on, good luck, GG, against guys like Cup and uh, Odell Beckham (laughs) and Van Jefferson. I mean, you can probably expect the same results. (laughs) But we'll, we'll just... I mean, I think we have to just throw it out. Like, these guys are not... NFL starting quality cornerbacks, but they were thrown into that role against an extremely explosive offense with good wide receivers. RIP, right? Like, what are you supposed to do? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Uh, going a little, like, maybe spend like five minutes tops, like a little bit more in the technical things on this. But like, uh, I was a little surprised that Robert Jackson wasn't in to start the game that they put Worley in before him. I know he didn't have a great game against the Packers, but you're going up against Devontae Adams. Like, you're going to have a bad game. Like, come on. Worley, I thought, looked okay. He was in great position for that interception. I know it was called back for holding. I thought it was a take that call. I think the announcers did as well. Mm-hmm. You know, overall, it was decent play. Uh, Seymour, in particular... Yeah, I don't think he has a future with the Ravens. I just thought he looked pretty bad overall. I mean, he was getting picked on pretty much all game. He's getting beat up by Higgins, by Chase, pretty much everybody. Uh, one play in particular, I was really disappointed in him, was that uh, it was actually the play that Chase got called for taunting, so it ended up not really mattering for us. But, uh, I mean, Chase caught this, like, three, four-yard route. It was, like, third and 15 or something. And Seymour, instead of pushing him out of bounds on the boundary, he tries to tackle him, and he keeps his feet in and basically picks up the first down. It's just like, just push him out, man. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> third and 15, you got to know the, the situation that you're in uh, and, just, and just push him out. So I was a little disappointed on that. Just thought he could have done a little bit better job. He was in position for it and just wasn't able to make the play. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you guys. Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think it, I would be very surprised if any of these guys came back next year for the Ravens. For sure, I was also kind of surprised by the uh, Robert Jackson demotion. I guess when you're 
playing with a bunch of guys who uh, have no business uh, kind of being on an NFL roster in a way that swapping that one for the other isn't too big of a surprise, maybe. So it it wasn't too crazy. I think the biggest surprise I had was Tony Jefferson. Whoa, what a game. 62% of the snaps. It was one of the only players that was making splashes on the defense. Had tackle for a loss, sack, other good plays. And it seemed like mostly impact Stevens. It looked like there were times that Jefferson was in there instead of Stevens. Um, because Stevens went to like a very low for him in recent uh, games. 57% of snaps. Uh, lower than Jefferson. And yeah, I mean... Shoot, that might be the only guy in the secondary that we had to bring on off the street that might stick around. If there's a way we can keep Jefferson on the uh, team, maybe as a uh, you know vet minimum guy, that'd be amazing. But the way he's playing, he might actually be able to find another contract and rejuvenate his career. Yeah, Tony Jefferson on Sunday had one of his best games in a Ravens uniform. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. He uh, did struggle a bit. He did have good games, but he struggled a bit too, especially in, in you know second half of 2018 and 20 and 2019 before he had that uh that injury that that ended his season there and and seemingly his career as a raven there but he was in all the right spots on this in the secondary on sunday i mean he made plays he had a sack uh according to pro football focus he was the third highest graded raven in the game with a grade of 84.7 which trailed only mark andrews and uh isaiah mack apparently uh, so I guess we'll have to talk about him a bit, but yeah, it's interesting. You got to wonder in a, in an alternate universe where uh, the Ravens don't give Earl Thomas as many strikes as as they ended up doing. Uh, do they do they uh, keep Jefferson instead of Thomas uh, going into twenty twenty, and and Jefferson is you know doesn't have that that break between then and now? Um, I think that's that's an interesting what if, but it looks to me like like Levine is done. I mean, he's playing more corners, not really playing safety, but I think if you want a vet guy there, I, I think Jefferson has more in the tank uh, than Levine. And Jefferson's not even that old, I don't think. Oh, I think he's Jefferson. Jefferson is definitely not old. He's a 1992 birthday. He is, he is, he is definitely not old. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I was thinking about that. I was like pretty sure that he was our age because I looked up the... Uh, I just I remember when he roughly started in the league and yeah uh, he's now in the the pantheon of other Ravens elites like Josh Bynes who have earned a beer from me so I think we have a really nice time <laughs> after the season's over reminiscing about the good old days and uh, yeah hit me up at a Puyanis on Twitter beer redemptions oh, can be received yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting you bring up Levine, uh, Peter, because, yeah, I mean, he had uh, quite a few snaps this game as well because, again, you know, when you're down that many bodies, you kind of have to put in whoever you have to uh, have to field. Like, he did okay on some tackling. I just, at this point, he's just like, I don't know, he didn't really have the range to be able to make a whole lot of plays and just got let a few plays get behind him. Um, I thought for the last few years, he's also just kind of like, I don't know. We sent him on some packages to blitz, and he's just not a great blitzer at all. So he ends up just being like a spy, which I mean, I guess is somewhat useful. But if you're not super fast, and if you're not expecting the quarterback to leave the pocket, what's the point? <laughs> uh, so I kind of look at those plays, and I'm just like, well, I, I, I don't know. I, I'd rather have Queen or somebody else on the field instead of Levine in those snaps. But that's just me. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Queen himself had a game as well. Uh, 
nine tackles, uh, had a tackle for loss. Uh, he was flying around there. Again, I mean, I think when we talk about the defense, the front seven also, I think, played a game that was worthy of a performance that keeps you in the game, right? I mean, again, this team was great against the run. The Bengals carried the ball 21 times, uh, only got 77 yards out of that. Longest rush of the day for Cincinnati was 19 yards. The rushing game, I think, was effective for them, but it wasn't overpowering. Um, they did get a couple sacks on Burrow. Uh, again, most of those sacks were at, at times when the game was out of hand, uh, but I still think that's worth noting. And they did technically have a pick, like we just said. That was a bogus holding call. So really going forward with this team, it's incredible how how much a, a beat-up secondary can sink you. I mean, we, we've seen this with the Ravens before. The We've been really... The secondary for the Ravens the past couple seasons has been so deep, it's easy to forget that, you know, from 20, 2013 through 2017, it's 2016, I think 2017 was when they shorted up, but but those four seasons, when Jimmy Smith was out of the picture, the secondary couldn't stop anyone. I mean, we don't need to be reminded of, of January 2015 when the Patriots came back from two 14-point deficits. I mean, that was all because the Ravens had essentially the, the level of corner starting that they, they did on this past Sunday. Um, so, you know, it, it it's a glaring hole for them right now, but there's a lot of other avenues on this, this team, a lot of other positional groups that are playing playoff caliber football, even on the defensive side. So, We'll we'll see what happens uh, on this coming Sunday against the Rams. Yeah, I think my only gripe with the defensive line is just being able to finish a few sacks. Broderick Washington again. I think we've said his name a few times on the pod, but um, I thought he played pretty well. I mean, if he makes that sack the first play of the game, he ends up with two sacks for the game. Um, that's a great stat line for a young rookie player um, who doesn't get that many snaps to begin with. So I thought he had a really good game kind of stepping in for Justin Matabuke who was put on the COVID list earlier in the week. So, you know, I think that was great. Justin Ellis, too. Gosh, like, if you know, we were debating on whether he even come back this year, despite being a kind of like a, you know, somebody had to step in midseason last year. But he's <laughs> somehow continues to be around and available every <laughs> week. <laughs> Despite, uh, you know, all the other injuries to Calais Campbell, Brandon Williams, Derek Wolf, uh, Matabuke being out. So um, uh, I'm just I'm amazed he's still playing the way he is and and just being available has been great. So, you know, overall, yeah, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm sure we'll talk more, you know, whenever the season ends about each position group and kind of, you know, where we are looking forward. But I will say just from, you know, the performance that we had this game, like I feel pretty good about defensive line depth moving forward even without Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, or Brandon Williams at this point. We've got some good pieces here. So I guess before we go into our moral victory awards for this game, an observation I had during this game, and I think we all have slightly different takes on it, but you know, with with the Steelers definitely on the decline and they really need to figure out what they're gonna do at quarterback post Ben and Cleveland continuing to just get in the way of themselves and just never be able to to get to the playoffs, even with a, a, what looks on paper, like a promising roster, you know, the Bengals have made their, uh, their re-arrival in the division, uh, very loud and clear. They beat the bank, beat the Ravens really big 
twice this year, beat the Steelers big twice. And, you know, there, there was a really chippy game yesterday. It was a really chippy game. There was trash talk uh, leading up to the game. And, you know, the Bengals, they're here. And I, I see no reason why they won't be there next year. We talked about in coming into this season, we were like, the Bengals, they've got a lot of talent, but we thought they were two or three seasons away. Well, they're, they're here now. And I think the NFL will be smart to flex at least one of these matchups next year to a, to a primetime spot because I think it's the next big AFC North rivalry. And uh, the Bengals certainly had uh, some swaggerness bordering on uh, unnecessary cockiness in this game. And I think that the Ravens uh, vets who are going to be here, you know, next year as well, especially the ones who weren't able to play in this game are going to take note of that. And the Bengals might, might regret some of that uh, when the Ravens come back healthy next year. So um, it's looking like we, we might've seen this year, the birth of a new, uh, a new big bruising AFC North matchup, in my opinion, rivalry, I should say. Yeah. The, the, I love the way you put it here in the notes, Peter, the, the Bengals reek of little brother syndrome of just, showing off yeah a lot of swagger i think during the game and just kind of like posturing and uh close to taunting maybe by nfl rules i'm not gonna say that it was though but Did they uh look at other yeah. ravens players that then it was taunting hey well i mean I, you know you could you could you could see i mean you could probably look at it a little bit i'm not gonna say that they you know the nfl should call it taunting because it's, it's all bullshit <laughs> right. you know also the Bengals, you know, for any Bengals fans who might be listening to this, like, you know, you guys won, like you're, you're, you're welcome to do this. Um, you know, but it's something that, you know, can bite you in the future if you're not too careful. But, um, I noticed that too, man, with the week seven game, uh, just a lot of those guys just, you know, being very, uh, being very upfront, just like very kind of aware that they're beating us and they're beating us bad and kind of have no, uh, qualms about saying it you know didn't take with it what you will i think um i do think you know as far as you know as far as the Bengals, man like look they won the game they're welcome to say what they want that's fine uh but at the end of the day i think a lot of teams um you know who aren't so upfront about some of this stuff like you know i think the ravens are uh, realize that you know it's a whole season and it's not just you know one game that you can flex on somebody and then like oh you know, like that's you know that's it like you got to play the whole season and you got to make the season worth it because you're all chasing a Super Bowl. And, you know, when the you know, Bengals did that week seven against us, they lost their next two games against the Jets in overtime and then they got crushed by the Browns. Well, uh, when they beat the Steelers 41 to 10, which was another beatdown, they lost the next two games against the Packers. I'm sorry, against the, the Niners and the Chargers. And the Chargers crushed them like 44 22 or something. So I'm just saying, Bengals fans, you got two games left against the Chiefs and the Browns. You, you better watch your guys and just, you know, don't let them, you know, spend all their swagger up all on the Ravens, a depleted Ravens team, mind you, that we've been talking about for the last hour. Um, <laughs> You know, it doesn't really help your case. You gotta, you gotta go play your other games. You know, but you saw from a lot of those guys, Shamar Chase, uh, Hendrickson, uh, Burrow as well. Uh, Burrow had a. I mean, we didn't even talk. We talked about how our secondary was horrible. Uh, Burrow really just kind of made us pay. Uh, I mean, he had over 500 yards passing. That's ridiculous. And I mean, you saw nine yards I mean, short of the NFL record. Yeah, I mean, regardless of who's out there, man, that's incredible. Another another quiz time if. Did either of you guys uh, see when that record was set? What year? I did, so I will not spoil. Okay, Chris, did you see what year? 
It was something in the 50s, I think. Right? Okay, yeah, 1951, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, it's been around, yeah, forever. It's great. It's like, um, how was it, uh, Night Train Lane's, like, interception record? Like, I mean, that's even Ed Reed couldn't do it. And if, if Reed couldn't do it, then I don't think anybody else is going to ever touch that record. Yeah, I mean, I do think the one thing that kind of makes me smile as a Ravens fan is when I look at this Cincinnati team, and the way that they kind of uh, hold themselves, they're they're down for an explosion in the playoffs, and not in a good way. Like, yeah, congrats, you're probably going to win the AFC North. You're going to have a home playoff game, but I wouldn't be surprised if you lose it in front of all your adoring fans. Because, um, like, they just they clearly have never been there before. They don't have that uh, just, like, smooth poise. Like, I, it, it is a difficult line between, like, celebrating big accomplishments for your team and just being clearly like haven't been there before. Maybe it's just knowing how young some of these players are. That's tainting our vision of how they're approaching the game. But I don't know. I do think they have a little bit of a reckoning coming for them. Not that I'm wishing it upon them. It's just, I mean, it kind of reminds me not so, I don't think the Ravens ever conducted themselves like this in 2019, but they just remind me of like a young team that's going to get hit in the mouth in the playoffs by a little bit more savvy of a team and then their season's going to be over too. So I think it'll catch up to them. And if it's not us, it'll be somebody else that beats them in the playoffs and sends them home. Cause I, I don't think they're super bowl champion caliber at this moment, but I do think they're going to be an awesome opponent for years to come. And I'm looking forward to these matchups. Cause I think it's going to be good television and good, uh, you know, good football. I will say just so we uh, are aware of where, where our house might be glass. Uh, a lot of, the NFL uh, said the same thing about the Ravens in 2000. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you read articles. No one, everyone thought that the Ravens were way too cocky, especially the defense. But they were historic. <laughs> they were historic, <laughs> right. But I'm, I'm saying from a Ravens fan perspective, we were just like, no, they were, they were the, they had the right balance of, of swagger and, and, uh, and awareness. But a, a lot of, a lot of the fan bases of other teams said, no, these guys are a bunch of, 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 you know, cocky get, s- sons of guns. <laughs> I mean, I get that, but they also like, I mean, they weren't so young. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a little bit different, yeah. but I, I do get right. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, they they definitely were cocky. They were unbelievably right. cocky and they had a ridiculously cocky head coach in, in Billick. Right. You know, <laughs> it was a great, a yeah, great right. leader for that kind of yeah. team. No, it's yeah. Like, I mean, if, yeah, I mean, if they were like, I, I didn't remember if they were. If they were, they were. Like you can do that, but the the, the point is, is, like if you do that, you got to back it up on the field, right? right? And it's not just the one game, but it's like it's every game. So that's why I brought up like at least with the Bengals, like look, they dropped forty yeah. points on their AFC North opponents. Like that's good. You want to bring your best football for your division games, and they've done that this year. Like I have no fault with that, but it's the you know okay the weeks after that where you guys are in a slump and not even scoring twenty points a game. It's like well okay, well, you know, if you're going to back that up and you're going to act cocky, ride that through. Like, be that, have your be that, be your identity and then own that and win your games, right? But don't do that yeah. and then lose to, because then it just makes you look like an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this Bengals team is really going to be interesting to see where they land uh, just from an unbiased perspective. Because like like you guys said, they crush Baltimore in week seven, then lose to the to the Jets, I don't care that it was a close loss. You lost to the Jets, then get crushed by Cleveland, come out of the bye, beat Vegas and Pittsburgh big, but then get crushed by the Chargers, 
Lose to San Francisco in overtime, only score 15 points against Denver, of all teams, um, and then crush the rape. So a, a very, very it's, it's, wild week-to-week week Very team. hot yeah. and cold. Yeah, very yeah. hot and cold. Which is, again, why I think that we, you know, we were we knew that the Ravens could lose this game, but we also had a, a lot of confidence that they could still pull it out, even with Josh Johnson and, you know, um, no names at, at journeyman at cornerback. But <laughs> and they teased it. <laughs> they teased it, man. That's the worst part. They were ahead <laughs> at one point in this game. You know, ben, don't break on yep. defense. Just That's like three. week seven. <laughs> oh, and then we went down the field and we were like, boom, touchdown. And I was punching the air. I was so excited because I was like, yes, they might do it, man. Let's go. Let's go. And then it all fell apart. Three touchdowns in a row, you know, and then you're yeah. like, ooh, not great. But, you know, no. that's that's the beauty of sport, man. Like, and then and then they had that little bit of false hope when they had the interception. And I was like, oh, like, if we get the ball here and stop them and then we get the we could double dip and then get the ball back and we might be right back in it. And then they, you know, reversed it. They got, you know, more points and you're just like, Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah. It is very interesting. You know, I will say moving forward, uh, we should talk about this in the off season for sure, but uh, the Bengals are going to be around. They've got a lot of weapons on offense and they've got a quarterback who can uh, definitely wants to, and can take advantage of all those weapons. And the Ravens are going to have lots of question marks in the secondary next year, not just from a health perspective, but in terms of like a roster construction, um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with this position group because the Ravens are going to have to, in my opinion, prioritize um, some cornerbacks and, and safeties who can cover these guys uh, because, you know, Higgins, Chase, I mean, they're going to be around for the next, you know, three, four years. Boyd might be around for a couple more years. So uh, it's definitely a priority for them to be able to uh, match up well against these guys moving forward. All right, let's wrap up the show with talking about our moral victory awards. Who would like to go first? I'll let Alec go first because I believe I know who he wants and I don't want to. Oh, I take know it from who him. he wants. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I know we'll ex- let Alec go last then instead because we both know who not to take for him and we'll just let I, him revel. <laughs> I wasn't so sure, but I think I know who you want me to pick. So I'll do it. <laughs> go ahead, guys. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll give the I'll give the award to uh, Isaiah Mack. Man, I, I was not keeping close enough uh, of an eye on who the heck was even active for this game. He got that sack, and I was just like, "Oh, oh, Dylan Mack is off injured reserve. Has he been?" I had forgotten that. No, we cut that guy. Um, this is a different Mack, and uh, you know he he played decent. He he got one sack, should have had a second. Um, you know, made some plays in, in run defense. Uh, looks like this guy was originally with Tennessee. Uh, was on New England last year for a couple games. Uh, you know, maybe he could be a depth piece going forward. I don't know, but. Uh, he had a good game on on Sunday, and you know could help him to have at least another shot at an NFL uh, starting job uh, next season. So good for him. Nice. I'll go and I'll give mine to uh, Josh Johnson again. Um, kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in the show, but I thought he played incredible for you know just the the short amount of time the situation that he was in. I couldn't really ask for much more from him. Um, it was very pleasantly surprised with this play overall um it it really didn't feel like it was that much different from from Huntley and that's no disrespect to Huntley and I'll I'll mention one other kind of positive play that we didn't talk about because we didn't really go into special teams this is a really long episode but uh Nick Moore I just want to give a shout out to for making a great tackle on I believe it was a a, a 
punt return, I believe. One other thing that we kind of really didn't talk about with all the injury and COVID activations in the last minute, special teams, there were a lot of new people playing that also had not played for a while. So you have guys like Geno Stone, uh, he was out. Um, you have a bunch of other of these guys. I mean, DuVernay obviously was not playing as well. Um, so you had guys like Kevin Seymour and Robert Jackson and all these other people who have not played special teams. And there was just one play where I, Nick Moore just came in and was able to make the tackle where all these other guys kind of missed. You know, again, just another uh, great play indicative of guys not quitting and, and trying to do the best of their job that they can given the situation. I thought that was a really good play from him. Guys, I can't believe you did this to me. I know who you want me to pick, but like you left Jefferson just like right there. So I have to like at least acknowledge Jefferson. So Jefferson, <laughs> great game. You have a beer uh, on the tab. I would even say you could go crazy. We could go to uh, uh, DKD, get you a Belgian beer. You know, it might cost me uh, more than I'd expect, but it'd be worth it with, for you, man. All right. Next up, James Prochet, illustrious <laughs> receiver. Seven catches on eight targets, 76 yards. We talked about him earlier. Can run the whole route tree at 5'11". He doesn't look like it on the field. He gets big, makes big catch rays, makes tough catches. So big props to the pro, the pro Shea. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be my guy. Thanks so much for sticking with us in this episode of Ravens Recap. I know how hard it can be to listen after a loss, particularly a loss as meaningful as this one and as kind of just unfortunate given all their losses due to COVID and injury. But we're sticking with the team. Like we said, we'll be there for this Rams game that got unjustly flexed out of the four o'clock slot. Our tailgates are going to be earlier than ever expected, but that's okay. We'll still be there. We'll be loud for this team and hope that they can scrap their way to a victory against a team that's been very up and down. And we'll talk about in the next episode. Make sure to join us. <laughs> Did you see the tweet that just came in for us? <laughs> no. It says, inside access is garbage. It's like clickbait that's also shouting. <laughs> I agree 100% with that. But I was just... I was. Man, I, I I thought I was in I thought I was in in Bizarro Land when I heard Locke and Fora just just go off on Eric DaCosta and say oh that he's, he's, oh that's that's my coworker that's my coworker Ryan okay <laughs> oh I like Ryan I didn't realize you work with them. yeah 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 yeah, Ryan, yeah Ryan's a good friend of mine yeah oh cool yeah I mean Jason Locke and Fora basically said that that. Uh, well, a caller called in and, and, and ripped EDC and said EDC's done done nothing for the Ravens and he has terrible draft picks and free agent signings, which I was like, all right, callers come call in and say ridiculous things all the time. But then when the caller hangs up, Lock and Ford just backs him up completely. He was just like, yeah, EDC, you look at his his late draft picks, they're all terrible. Um, and he, he, he said that <laughs> Ozzy was the reason we got Lamar, which is obviously not true um, from everything we know. And he said that EDC hasn't made a good free agent signing at all or any. I, it was so bizarre. I was just like, I mean, I know you're paid to 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 to, to make takes that people are going to get upset about, and you know, <laughs> but it was. Oh man, I, I can't I can't give it any more any more thought. It was, it, it was just absolutely awful. <laughs> Peter, achievement unlocked. You got a a like from. Ravens subreddit. Who knew? I didn't even know they had a Twitter account. Oh, okay. I mean, I I am I can imagine that uh, that you know calling out one zero five seven the fan is, is is something. It's an easy Twitter like they've gotten. <laughs> 
I, I think that description on the Twitter is is one hundred percent accurate, and I'll just leave it at that, and I'll repeat it again. Uh, inside access is clickbait. That's also shouting. That's one of five seven. Air quotes. The fan. <laughs> and uh. we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh man.